Sixers Fix with Scott Ninnis. Join one of the Adelaide 36ers favourite sons as we deep dive into everything past and present about one of the most storied franchises in the NBL. It's Sixers Fix, your Adelaide 36ers podcast. Hello and welcome to Sixers Fix with Scott Ninnis. And we're finally back to normal this week and we finally got the team back together for the show. My co-host is able to join me this week, which I'm delighted about because there's a lot to talk to him about. He's now restarted his coaching career in the most remarkable fashion at South Adelaide. He's about to become a Hall of Famer. And as we record this, the 36ers are coming off a win in Perth, which is just about perfect timing for us. So... Plenty to talk about on this week's show. We'll have an... He didn't like the Ask the Legend segment, so I've got an Ask the Host segment, thanks to Sports Card World this week, for the show as well. We'll get stuck into all of that and a lot more as we go along on the journey on Sixers Fix. I'm Chris Pike, but the man you've all tuned in to hear from, I will be able to soon introduce him as a Hall of Famer, but right now I'll introduce him as the only man involved with every Adelaide 36ers championship. Scott, it's good to be with you again. How do we find you this week? Mate... Chris, it's awesome. We just beat the Perth Wildcats in Perth. Uh, we, we need to celebrate that every time it happens. It was, uh, I, I still don't know what happened last night. Like, it, it was mm. just uh, such an incredible um, effort. I, I, you know, like, and you've got to be realistic about these things. I guess we, you know, the pressure's off with, with the 36ers and uh, they were just able to go out and play loose and play their natural game. Uh, which was great, but um, yeah, a few question marks about the Wildcats at the moment. They uh, they're sort of stumbling their way to the playoffs, and uh, yeah, I still wouldn't uh, write them off. But uh, yeah, there are some big questions there. But uh, no, everything is great in Thirty Six Land at the moment. Uh, yeah. You're only as good as your last game, and uh, <laughs> uh, that was uh, that was astonishing to see them play as well as they did, and, and I'm really happy for some of the guys in that team, and, and CJ and Jamie Pillman, it's fantastic. Mm, absolutely. We'll, we'll talk in a bit more depth about it shortly, but you touched on how you want to celebrate a win in Perth because it doesn't happen too often. How nice would it be if in about nine days' time it turns out that that win actually denies them a playoff spot as well? Would that be worth celebrating as well? Of course. I mean, whenever you, whenever you get an opportunity to, uh, you, you know, you're not going to make the players yourself, and the only thing you can do is impact upon other people. Look, it's it's still not going to happen. The Wildcats are going to make the playoffs, as you know, we, they do every year. <laughs> so it's well, you know, like it's great the Jack Jumpers have uh, kept the dream mm-hmm. alive, but uh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. If you're the Perth Wildcats, you know, like this is uncharted territory for them. Uh, you know, coming in the playoffs, or hopefully the playoffs, and, uh, you know, not... Uh, they, they were pretty poor last night, to be fair to say. Yeah. So uh, yeah. let's let's just hope that... Well, great to see the Jack Jumpers if they do get in. That would be fantastic. I mean, <laughs> what a story would be if they can make it. And it's still it's still a, a real possibility. We'll talk about it later on in the show. Um, plenty for us to catch up on, though, Scott. And I will get to the 36ers and what's happening with them shortly, but... There's a lot going on in your world as well. That win that you had with South Adelaide was remarkable. Your premium wine tour's business is picking right back up again. And most importantly, the thing I want to touch on, you're about to become a Hall of Famer of the Adelaide 36ers. How did you react when you found out that news? Oh, mate, it was a funny one. I got taken out to, to lunch with uh, mm. 
with Brett Maher by the uh, owner Grant Kelly and, and the uh, CEO Nick Barbato on April oh, Fool's Day. Tom, once you told me that was about to happen, I knew something, <laughs> something was in the water. So, uh, you know, Grant tried to crack a joke and said, you know, the work that you and Brett are doing for the club, we're not happy with it. We're going to give you the oh, sack. Wow. And, uh, <laughs> and, by, and by the way, you're in the Hall of Fame. And then he, <laughs> and then he said, April Fool's. So Brett was in on the joke, the little bugger, didn't tell me about that. So they're all having a bit of a chuckle and a bit of a laugh. In my mind, I'm thinking, was the Hall of Fame thing the April Fool's mm. thing? So, because I, it was, I was completely caught me off guard. Brett turned to me and said, this is the only time in your life ever heard you uh, speechless. Mm. Um, and... Look, it was, uh, and still is, incredibly humbling. I mean, you know, you look at the people in this Hall of Fame, I personally don't think that, uh, you know, I deserve to be alongside those sort of names. I mean, I've been fortunate enough to have longevity with the club and a lot of success. But, you know, you, you talk about um, Daryl Pierce and Mark Davis and Brett Maher and Al Green and Phil Smythe and Ken Cole, it's... Uh, it is. It's quite. Uh, it's quite humbling, you know. Especially with some of the other names that haven't been inducted yet. Um, mm-hmm. I look. I, I feel. Um, yeah, and I'm not making this up. I'm incredibly blessed, and uh, I may have. Uh, yeah, may have got a little bit emotional when they told me, and mm-hmm. uh, it's quite incredible for a club that I, you know, been involved with for 20 years plus now to to be alongside those sort of names. No, uh, I know how humbled you are by it, and I know that you actually do believe that you probably don't belong, but everybody listening to this show, and myself included, absolutely 100% believes that you belong there, and it's a well and truly deserved honour, and I'm, I'm really happy for you. It's, it's greatly deserved, and I can't wait to be able to introduce you as the Hall of Famer moving forward. Um, the man you're going in with, Meenal Green, that's, a, that's going to be a bit of fun on the night too. Well, let's just hope he gets interviewed first, because... Uh... <laughs> There's no chance that I'll get a word in edgewise. Uh, and, and look, that's the other thing. Like, here's a man that has been a league MVP, you know, mm. championship player with West LA Bearcats and the 36ers, 71 points in one game. You, yes. you know, like, it's, uh, you know, I, I guess that's where I struggle a little bit because you're talking about one of the all-time legends of the history of the NBL, you know, like to go alongside yeah. him. Um, and I guess that's where I struggle a little bit to, to sort of, because I, I, yeah, I, I'm very really realistic. Like I know where I fit in the whole world of, of mm. basketball with the 36ers, but what Al did was off the chart. I mean, he, yeah. pound for pound, inch for inch, he's still the best athlete I've ever seen. Um, I watched him win two Bay Sheffields, which is uh, South Australia's um, premium uh, sprint race, and that was his side gig. <laughs> so he he was he was uh, incredible. Um, so it is uh, once again, it's incredibly humbling to be alongside some of these names. Is he the best talker as well? Has there been a better talker? Oh no no no! There's no better shit talker in the history of the NBL <laughs> than Al Green. Uh, oh, I don't know. There's been a few, but. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, none springs to mind. I mean, there's been some good ones, but, uh, you know, Al would work himself up and, uh, you know, that was part of his game. I mean, you know, when I played against Al in in the State League competition or, you know, even the NBL when he went away from Adelaide, all you want to do is keep him happy and just, you know, mm-hmm. you know talk him up and, 
you know, as soon as he sort of got involved in that, uh, you know, that banter and uh, you know that that talking, you were done. Like he, that was yep. what that was what he was trying to do to fire himself up. So the most success I ever had against him was just. Uh, yeah, just basically trying to keep him happy on the court when you're playing against him. But uh, yeah, one of the one of the true competitors and uh, as I said, athletes um, in the NBA history for sure. Before we move on from it, have you started to think about your speech just yet? Oh no, not at all. Like I like I said, I'll, I'll get about two minutes after Al's been on the stage. So. Uh, I'm not exactly sure how it's going to work. Uh, you know, in some of the years gone past, we've had to nominate who wants to interview us. You know, yep. like, oh, crikey, if I get Marzi up there, I probably still won't get a word in. But uh, no, 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 it's it's going to be, to me, it's going to be, a, you know, a very, uh, yeah, it's going to be an incredible night. It's going to be a little bit overwhelming for me, but um, I'll just play it by ear and, and talk a lot of mm. rubbish, rubbish like I normally do, so... No, it'll be all good. Ah, looking forward to it. Um, what about the premium wine tours business, Scott? Starting to get back to back to a little bit somewhere close to being normal. It is, mate. Like, I'll, yeah, I was out yesterday, uh, tomorrow, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Um, yeah, it is. It's it's people just confident about travelling again. So uh, the yeah. bo- the bookings coming, you know, coming fast, and uh, we're getting inquiries for the following months. So. It is. It's been great to be out and about uh, again. Um, we've got two thirty-sixer camps coming up over the next two weeks: Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday next week, and the week after. So that's uh, that's exciting as well. I, I'm not match fit, Chris. Like I'm, I'm not. Uh, <laughs> yeah, after after two years of uh, being a bit of a bum, I'm not sure I'm quite ready to be back in this uh, this sphere again. But uh, no, it, it is. It's good. It's exciting. I, I love. I love what I do. I'm fortunate enough to. You know, I've said this to people in the past. You know, I was, I was fortunate enough to play the sport that I loved as a kid and get paid to do it. And now I'm fortunate enough to do, you know, something else I do that I love and get paid to do that as well. And, you know, people go through their entire life not getting, you know, having a job they don't like. So, uh, yeah, I am. I'm very fortunate and uh, it's good to think, see things kicking up again. Oh, fantastic to hear. All right, we're here to talk 36's business and let's just get straight to the, the Thursday night win in Perth because it was a remarkable performance because if you set the scene for it, the Wildcats needed to win this game. They still need to try to lock away a playoff position. They were feeling some heat. They got they got a couple of players back for the game. They got Mitch Norton, sort of their inspirational leader, back. They got Michael Frazier, their import, back. But the 36's never once, I felt, looked like losing this game. From the moment it started, they were switched on. They were they were motivated. They had a really good game plan that they followed. The effort of Sunday Detch on Bryce Cotton was probably the best defensive performance we've seen all season. And they they just turned their heat up on the Wildcats, and they they crumbled under it to be honest. And they wilted. And the thirty sixes looked terrific. I mean, it was a it was a fantastic performance. It was incredible, mate. Like it, you know. <laughs> Anyone that put a bet on the 36ers to win that mm. game uh, was probably drunk. Like, there was just a... <laughs> it, it was... But the way they they came out at the start of that game and uh, was quite incredible. And, and like I said, there's more questions 
for the Wildcats, you know, in yep. a game that you, you know, you've been struggling anyway over the last few weeks to come out and not put up much of a much of a fight at all, which is very un Wildcat like. And uh, they really didn't. Uh, and Scott Morrison even said the same afterwards. He felt like he's been taking responsibility for a lot of their losses, but he felt his players needed to take a real good hard look at at themselves for this because he felt like they didn't put up a fight at all. I said this last year, and I'll say it again now. You know, Sunday Debt not being in the top three defenders mm. last year, I thought was a joke. Um, you know what what he was able to do at both ends of the court last night was quite incredible, and that's yep. why it's so important for us to be able to retain him. You know, we we can't let him go to the Perth Wildcats, which is mm. home, which is home for him. But yeah. you know, he he can defend someone, and his offensive game is developing nicely and the way he rebounded the ball but you know he had that size that bothered Bryce Cotton and you know yeah. he, he was down and you know he's not going to have games like that too often it's it's uh that's been proven time and time again but uh I think we spoke early in the year about you know everyone writes Perth off every year and people are doing it now but last night they looked like that team that people were talking about last year where you have your two superstars and then you have mm-hmm. a bunch of role players. Well, those role players, yep. you know, looked like role players last night. Apart from apart from Hodgson, you know, he yeah, had, yeah, he, he, he well, had yeah. a ter- terrific game. But um, and one of the things I do hate is hyping up players with an inch of the life. And and I feel sorry for Luke Travis. You know, yeah. stop talking about NBA. And it's the same with you know Mojave King and you know some of these players. Let them be the players that they let them develop because you know, as as young kids, you start hearing that and you start believing yeah. that. You know, like that's you know, Perth looks that they've got a lot of uh and once again, far be it from me to say that they won't go on and get it together and win it this year, but um there's a lot of questions to be asked here. But look, the thirty sixes were terrific. Um it was great to see Dusty Hannah's, you know, get yes. some extended time and play well. You know, DJ has probably going to win another MVP for the club this year, which uh, I think is quite hilarious. And they'll put him one ahead of Brett Maher, which he'll <laughs> he'll despise. But um, yep. you can't get too carried away either, mate, because mm. the pressure's off now. So you can go in and be loose, and, and players are playing for their contracts. So, um, but yeah, that's any time you go into Perth. And beat Perth, and, and they dominated. Let's be frank; they they dominated them, and and never ever really looked like they were going to lose. So uh, that that augurs well for the future, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you touched on Dusty. I wanted to talk to you about Dusty. Um, he hadn't played the previous few games, and I I was starting to wonder if we were going to see him again. But he he's kept himself in good spirits and. He just looked like the player last night that we thought we were going to get at the start of the season. Played with a bit of freedom. He didn't try to create as much off the dribble. He took it, took some more threes and shot the ball well. He just looked a confident player. But maybe maybe the pressure was off and maybe the system was a little bit more relaxed for him. Um, what did you make of his performance last night? It was a great performance. But he did yeah. what, what we've been hoping he would do for the entire year. Mm. You know, catch and shoot. I... I I've seen him at training. I've seen the way he can shoot the ball. Like he's he's an incredible shooter. But you know, whether it's a lack of confidence and, and yeah, look, his minutes have been sporadic. It'd be fair to say. And 
you know, that's that's got to you know mess with your head a little bit as well. But last night, I just caught the ball and caught and shoot. And yeah. uh, you know, like I've had conversations with him over the course of the season. I know CJ and Jamie and everyone was telling him just to shoot the ball, and uh, he did that last night. And you saw how dangerous he could be. And it's, mm-hmm. uh, I guess, it's disappointing. You you know, get back, get to the end of the year, and still go well. What could have been? But I, I was really happy for him last night. You know, like he'd be happy that he was able to get out there. And, I mean, he had fourteen points. You know, maybe two minutes into the second quarter, and only out with twenty-one. But he also only came on. I think it was maybe four, four, four or so minutes to go in the first quarter, and he already had eleven points to quarter time. Every time he touched the ball, you thought he was going to score. I mean, that that was like, yeah, they had no answer for him. And mm. look, I was really happy for him. Yeah, everyone's going to look back and go, well, what if? But, you know, to finish, if you can finish off your season on a high, um, that's going to be great for him because he's, he's a very likable guy. You know, he, he, you know he, he's, got, he's got the right sort of attitude. Mm. Um, and hopefully he can, he can now go and, and continue his professional career and, and do really well. So, but yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed seeing him do that. We talked about Sunday before, but I want to ask, is that the best game you've ever seen Sunday play? Because if you have a look at his his numbers, 23 points, 9 rebounds, 2 assists, and he shot the ball well, 8 of 13, and he also made his free throws. That hasn't been something he's been doing great this season, but he went 6 of 6 at the line. And then you have a look at what he did to Bryce Cotton. Bryce went 7 points, 3 of 16 shooting. Is that the best game Sunday's played? Well, I, I think it... Yeah, you know, probably is. You know, off the top of my head, I, I think people get so caught up with scoring and, and statistics, and a lot of people forget that defense is half of, is half of the game. Mm. Yeah, you know, and like I said, I, I feel that he doesn't get the. Everyone knows he's a great defender, but uh, I still think that people don't quite realize just how good he is defensively. So he always got that side of the game. He's made so much inroads this year into improving his offensive game and his all-round game. And Rhett Maher's going to claim every second of it because <laughs> of the work, the work that he's done. But um, I don't think I've ever met someone that's uh, so relentless about seeking perfection and getting the best mm. out of his ability. And he's still got a way to go too, you know. But oh, I just, I'm so happy for him. We unequivocally have to keep him here. It's, it's yes. his option for next year. Um, and once again, better he plays now, the worse it is for us because uh, other teams are going to be circling around looking at that and going, now there's, there's a bloke that we could definitely use in our team. It worries me that his family's from Perth. You know, and, mm. and last night was a pretty good audition for him if the Wildcats want to get him back. But um, look, there's, there's some people here in this club, you know, from ownership all, all the way through to people like Brett and myself that, uh, you know, I've had a lot to do with him and, and just want to see him here. And I just really hope that that happens because he's a quality man. And uh, as a basketball, he's just going from strength to strength. Let's hope it happens. Also, I wanted to get your thoughts on the captain's game. Mitch McCarron, I thought, he led remarkably well last night as well. I mean, he's, if you just look at the points, and like you said, you can never judge someone just on that. You know, he only had the six points, but, you know, his leadership, his defense, and the fact that he also had nine, nine rebounds, six assists, five steals, that was the type of captain's game from him we've been 
hoping for all season, and he's done it from time to time. But that was that was that was terrific. Incredible game. I I, I loved. I, I enjoyed watching him as much as I did anyone last night. And mm. uh, you know, when we get to the votes, like I couldn't give him a vote last night. And I actually feel quite guilty. You know, the fact <laughs> that that the he controlled the game and his just his basketball brain is is um, is unbelievable. You know, like to, just to get in the lanes and control the tempo, and, and we saw it last year with Melbourne United when he had great players around him, just how valuable he could be, and he had that mm. last night with the thirty sixes too. You know, so I don't, you know, there's going to be some people that look at his season and say it's disappointing. He'd probably be the first to say it himself, but when people are playing the top of their games, he just fills all those gaps. You know, and yeah. just uh, just is able to do everything. Look, he's not going to be the guy that's going to give you 20 points a game. He doesn't have to be. But when people are doing what they should be, then it allows him to have the type of game he had last night, which I, I, I thought was incredible. And once again, the, the, you know, the general punter will look, oh, we had six points, and, and think he had a bad game. Well, that's just people who don't know basketball. I, I thought mm-hmm. he had a, I thought he had, was outstanding last night. Yep, totally agree. And I, I think you're right. When he's got guys that are scoring around him, and he helps make that happen by setting them up, but when you've got DJ putting up 23 points, Sunday 23 points, Dusty 23 points, I mean, that's when Mitch is at his absolute best and he can do everything else. He can make make everything happen and set all those guys up and he was a big reason why those guys all did combine for the, the 69 points that, that they did. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and you've, got, you've now got guys who are coming in and, the rotations seem to be a little bit more settled, and and even the guys coming off and not putting up big numbers are actually playing their role. So mm-hmm. um, it's it's a shame that it's taken us to this point in the season. But once again, it, it does all go well for the future. I mean, you'd have to Duffelmeyer and Hiram Harris, what they've done, you would expect them to get offered a contract for next year. Um, yeah, you get the import situation right, which unfortunately hasn't. Hasn't worked out for either Todd Withers or Dusty Hannes. Um, I'm excited. I mean, yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. Once again, you don't want to go through a season. You, we're eight and seventeen, or whatever we're at the moment. Yes. Yep. But but there's always an upside. You finish off the season well. You know, you put your hand up for next next year, and then who knows what happens. I actually think they've strung some good good form together for a little while now. I mean, you. The Melbourne loss in Melbourne was probably the one blemish lately, but coming off that was the win over the Phoenix, which was really good. Been a, a tight loss to the Jack Jumpers, but they they had that game won for a lot of that period before they had a had a late fade out. Tight loss against the Bullets, where you know Jason Cadiz snatched it snatched it away. Probably the best performance against the Kings that we've seen from any opposition during their thirteen game winning streak. Then another tight loss to the Bullets in that that last home game last week and. And, and now the win in Perth, I mean, I think the form has stacked up pretty well over the last, you know, six or seven games. Yeah, to a point, mate. Like, I mean, that Bullets mm. game at home was awful. I mean, that was, that was okay. a game that yep. they just should have uh, should have won. I reckon I've been as disappointed after a game, you know, with the Brisbane team that was trotted out that night. Um, you know, to lose at home in the manner that we did, I, I, I feel was really disappointed. But, yeah, for the most part, you're right. Like, it's, you know, you've seen the effort. Um, you've seen guys put their hands up. You know, for a contract for next year. So, there's circumstances. Everyone's had problems with injuries. 
COVID and all the like, but I, I think there is a reason to, to the glass half full thing at the moment. I think there's Mitch McCarron signed, there's Kai Soto signed, mm. there's Daniel Johnson signed. Sunday, hopefully if he takes up his option, I mean, you add Tad and you you add Hiram Harris to that, which I'd imagine. I and once again, I have no insight into that at the moment, yeah. but that's just what you you would look at when you're watching the games. I mean, you add two real high quality imports to that, and and maybe a top line Australian. Suddenly, I think you, I think Besto is probably a chance to come back. to... Oh, uh, sorry, I, I forgot about Besto. Mm. You know, like yeah. I mean, you start you start suddenly talking about a team that. Uh, you know, could do some serious damage. I mean, I've said it a million times. I mean, you just can't keep changing six, seven, eight, nine players every year. I mean, you, mm. you're never you're never going to be successful that way. But and that's why I like the fact that some of these uh, guys have put their foot forward over the next over the last couple of weeks to be re-signed. And uh, I think we have a chance to get a lot better very quickly. And that's fingers crossed that happens. Yeah, I totally agree. And a couple of weeks ago when we did a Ask the Coach with CJ Bruton, he talked about the type of team that he wanted to put together for next year. And he, he wants to play a lot quicker. He wants to have a playing group that allows him to play a much quicker style. And I think if you keep if you keep that group together, you get the right two imports and you get the team that can play to the style that the coach wants to play. I mean, I think the building blocks are there like, like you touched on. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, and, and I said to CJ, Brett and I went out training a couple of weeks ago and uh, you know he's going to get the opportunity to put the team together that he wants to put together. And, and you, know, you know, if you can select your players and you get it wrong, you're happy to be judged on that. So sure. yep. um, so I think that's a also puts a lot of pressure on you too because mm-hmm. you it's important to get it right and, and, and the import thing is a... Is a lottery. I mean, mm. you know, and, and it, sometimes the money doesn't matter how much money you spend. You, you might get someone that doesn't fit in, or, or you know, doesn't settle settle into the if for whatever reason. But yeah, you know, he's going to get that opportunity, and with that comes a lot of pressure. But you also happily be judged on that. So uh, let's just uh, see what happens. Before we get to our votes, I wanted to ask you about a couple more players. One you've touched on already, Hiram Harris. I mean, he's he was a very late addition to the squad, um, someone that's been waiting for an opportunity, but gee, he's grabbed this chance right now. And I, I'm like you, I hope that he does come back next year because I think he's got a great relationship with CJ. He's just the type of warrior type player that CJ loves. And CJ's compared him to Dylan Boucher and Mika Vakona, um previously. So that goes to show what he, how highly he thinks he can get to. Obviously, he's not at that level yet, but the way he's grabbed his chance and on a team that hasn't always played with a lot of energy, he just brings that intensity and brings that hustle and I've just loved watching him go about it. I didn't know that CJ had said that, but I was talking mm. to talking to a mate last night, and they were the two players that I said that. <laughs> wow. well, actually, I talked about you know the fact that New Zealand produces those type of players. Yeah. Now, yep. now he he's certainly not at the level that either those two guys are at, and he doesn't have to be. He doesn't have to get no, to sure. that level because yeah, no. that's. We're talking about a fairly high standard, but I think oh, yeah. I yeah. think the comparison is the work ethic and, and just what yep. you know and, and why I think he'd be a great addition for next year is that he strikes me as a type of player that if he's playing five minutes a game or thirty minutes a game, he's gonna play at that same level every second he's on the court. And that's um for a coach that that is just 
pure gold. So mm. I, I'd uh, I'd bring him back in a second. You know, if you if you said three months ago, you would have probably gone well. Yeah, okay, he's he's okay. You know, he does just yep. but he's he sees his opportunity with both hands and uh, has played himself into a contract here. I, I would suggest pretty easily for next year. So no, I, I, I've loved seeing he's an undersized. What's his position? Is he a three or four? Well, no, he's just a basketball player that plays his ass off, and that's uh, mm. that's exciting. So we haven't always had that type of player. So uh, no, it's been fantastic to see. Yeah, absolutely. Mika Vakona was undersized as well. It never never stopped him and never never held him back at all. Um, the other one I wanted to touch on was Kai Soto. Um, coming off 21 points on Monday night against Brisbane, a career high, and I think his development's coming along nicely. It looks like he's enjoying his life in Adelaide too, but I feel like he's 12 months away from being ready to make that next leap to the to the NBA. I mean, if if I were to give him advice, I would suggest that he comes back to Adelaide next year and keeps developing and there's every chance he could be a fairly high first round draft pick I think in 2023 I don't think he was at he's at that level quite yet um what are your thoughts I saw some suggestions today that um yeah his agent was saying that there was a lot of NBA NBA teams that were asking to clear for the draft this year now once again Mm. whether that's a true narrative or not I mean you don't know all this sort of stuff He's yeah. not, he's not ready yet. I mean, I, lo- I love him, and every time he every time he gets a dunk or scores a basket, I uh, I sort of claim that the uh, very small <laughs> amount of work I did with him in the preseason <laughs> was responsible for that. But I'd love to see him. He needs another year, in my opinion. Yeah, you know, have another year. You know, continue to work and, and grow and move forward, and and become a really important player for the Thirty Sixers. And to take their next step forward from a strength point of view, from a fitness point of view, and, and then look, the, the sky's the limit for him. I mean, there's no question. I, you know, he's, he's seven foot two or seven foot three or whatever he is. You know, that can shoot the ball. He's getting more confident every game. He's got good footwork. But another year in the NBL, I think, would would pay off in spades for him. I, I think. Uh, you know, if he went in, there's no question that if he declared for the draft, someone's going to take him because yeah. you know a, a, a lot of the what the draft is now is on potential. But I'd hate yep. to see him get drafted and then just sit on his ass somewhere and get buried for a couple of years before he gets an opportunity. He'd have the opportunity yep. to come back here with the 36ers and you know whether it's starting or being the sixth man or whatever, play really good minutes and continue to flourish and work on his game and get stronger and fitter and uh um but that's just my opinion too I'd, I'd i'd love to see that and that's not that's nothing to do from a 36ers point of view i mean mm. that's just from a observer point of view to what i think would be best for his game so uh anyway that that'll play out the way it is and um yeah we'll see what happens no i totally agree um you happy with the new artwork he's got on his arm well, that was a bit of a surprise. It's uh, <laughs> it came from nowhere, didn't it? It's obviously it's a good t- tattooist uh, in, mm. in in Adelaide, but uh, no, I haven't had an opportunity to ask him about that. But mate, who's going to argue with a seven foot three guy? So uh, <laughs> you can obviously do whatever you want. No, I did ask him about it the other day actually, and he he gave credit to Zero One Inc. in Adelaide, and he's going to make sure that that's where he gets his all of his artwork done from now on. So there you go. Sounds like a good sponsorship deal to me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, absolutely. 
got our premium wine till his player of the year award, Scott. Um, now, it was a tight race for a lot of the season. No surprise that we've got a little bit of a runaway leader at the moment, but there's still a bit of time to catch up. So why don't we go back to the last two home games last weekend. Firstly, we'll start against the Sydney Kings, and it was an 84-77 to 77 loss, but they made the Kings earn it, and I thought they, they, they slowed them up pretty well, I thought. It was a decent performance. I don't know if you've got your votes in front of you. Do you, do you have a recollection of who might have caught your fancy? Oh, mate, I'm just uh, just looking back over my notes now. Um, mm-hmm. Mate, my memory is, uh, I'm a bit like uh, Dory from uh, Finding Nemo now, mate. Two-minute <laughs> two, two memory. Um, yeah, look, I think um, probably DJ got the three votes. Off the top of my head, um, I am looking now. Let, let, let me run through quickly. So DJ, 20 points, seven rebounds, four assists. Pretty good game, obviously. Hiram Harris, I think, was... Was really good in that game as well. Ten points, six rebounds, two assists, and two steals. Um, Todd Withers had ten points, five rebounds. Mitch McCarron five points, seven rebounds, four assists. Sunday Detch six points, three rebounds, two assists. Doesn't stand out, but he did do a really good job defensively on Jalen Adams and probably um, just about Jalen Adams's quietest game that he's had for for a long time in the league. Kai Soto eight points, four rebounds. Nick Marshall played some good minutes late as well, seven points. Take your pick out of those. I like Nick Marshall, mate. I reckon he's yeah. uh, the fact he was wearing number nine uh, is, is mm-hmm. pretty cool. But yes. um, <laughs> I, I think he's got a pretty bright future in this league. I like his, I like his size and athleticism. Yep. I like his aggressiveness. But no, for me, uh, DJ three votes, Hiram Harris two votes, Todd Withers uh, got the one vote for me. You know, Mitch McCarron. Yeah, there's always stuff. You know, always has a great all-round game, and maybe um, maybe Kai was a little bit unlucky as well. But uh, mm. that's how I saw it anyway. No, very good. Um, that extends DJ's lead at the top of the leaderboard, and unlucky for Cam Besto because he was leading before he went down down injured, so he's a little bit un- unlucky. Um, Monday night against the Brisbane Bullets, last home game, like you touched on before, a little bit of a disappointing way to finish the season in front of the home fans, especially against a Bullets team that didn't have Robert Franks or Nathan Sobey. Um, but Kai Soto, his best game in the league, at least at least statistically, 21 points. Mitch McCarron, 17 points, 6 assists, 4 steals. DJ, bit of a quieter game, but still 12 points, 10 rebounds, 6 assists. Sunday, 8 points, 6 rebounds, 4 assists. Um, Mojave King, 8 points, a little bit of a spark. Hiram Harris, 7 points again, 6 rebounds. What do you think for that for that one? I was so pissed off, mate. Like this, this game <laughs> just drove me absolutely crazy. You know, no Nathan Sabi, no Franks. Yeah, I was uh, I was a little bit disappointed after the game. And uh, when Brett and I got interviewed, we had to temper our actual thoughts <laughs> and and try and look mm-hmm. at some positives. But I mean, the positive was obviously Kai Soto. I mean, that was just. It was a coming out party for him, and uh, he he was clearly the runaway MVP. I thought for for the mm-hmm. team uh, with three votes. Uh, Mitch McCarron got the two for me, and uh, yeah, look, yeah, DJ, yeah, twelve points, ten rebounds, six assists. I mean, we we hold him to such a high standard that you know that's a that's a great game for anyone else. Yeah. I know, I yeah. know, he, I know, he didn't shoot the ball well, but. Uh, yeah, he got my one vote. No, excellent. And then the game in Perth on Thursday night. Um, it's a tricky one because, as we touched on before, 
Um, Mitch McCarron's game was terrific, but he might miss out because DJ Sunday and Dusty were so good. I'm I'm fascinated to see what order you put them in. Right, I I, I didn't think it was hard. Well, 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 not for the three votes anyway. Sunday yep. was just off the chart, you know. Like and like I said, everyone looks at statistics, but you know Bryce Cotton had a down game, and yeah, Sunday Sunday is a great, you know, is an incredible defender. And as I said, people forget the defense is fifty percent of the game. So he holds. He's on Sun. Uh, he's on Bryce Cotton for the majority of the game, and holds the best play that we've seen in twenty years to the to the stats that he had. So to me, that was that was far and away the easiest decision that I had to make. Uh, mm-hmm. Was Sunday for three votes? Got a little bit tricky from there for me. You know the way that uh, Dusty started the game and basically. Put that game on ice pretty early. I thought it was pretty incredible, but um, mm. I actually gave uh, I actually gave Daniel Johnson the two votes. Just mm-hmm. I just felt that he answered the call, you know, when it was needed, and I and I did give um, Dusty the uh, the one vote. Mitch McCarron, incredibly unlucky, you know, you know, mm. like just to quarterback that team, and you know, you know, nine rebounds, six assists, five steals. Good lord! I mean that that is just uh, just astonishing. But um, I think I just felt those other three guys set the win up, you know. And, and we, you know, we're, in the second quarter, you're looking at uh, the 36ers being 20 up against the Perth Wildcats in Perth. You know, mm-hmm. you you could have been, uh, you know, <laughs> you could have been. You know, if you looked at if you just turned the television on and saw that, you probably would have thought that. You were in some sort of parallel universe, so uh, and I felt those guys were the ones that really set that win up. I thought Mitch McCarron, you know, carried them, you know, towards that win by making all the good decisions and controlling the tempo. So he was unlucky, but that was the way I saw it. Hard to argue. Um, so DJ got votes in all three of those games again, so he's pretty much got an unassailable lead now in the Premier Mind Tours Player of the Year award. Um, do you think he's ever going to come and claim his prize? Well, it's it's there on offer. He's he's still got the one from <laughs> last year. Um, mm. Yeah, it's it's uh, and he he probably hasn't had the year he's had in years gone past. But you know, he's got it together in these last few weeks, and um, yeah. um, you know, you can talk about the frustrations with his defense, and you know, the fact that the teams hasn't been winning in some of these years that he's had MVP. But that's not his... You can only, you can only do what you can do yourself. And uh, I've had this discussion with a couple of my friends over, you know, over a glass of red over the last couple of months, but has there ever been a better shooter from a big man in the history of the NBL? You know, Daniel Kickett was probably the only yeah. one we could really think of that was in that same conversation, but... Would you put him ahead of Chris Anstey? Well, I think Anstey was a bit more... He was a guy that could hit two or three in a row and change a yeah. game. I don't know that he was... The same volume, was he? No. I, don't, I don't think so. And, and yeah. I, I don't say that lightly. I mean, you know, Anstey's, no, Anstey's one of the absolute true greats in the history of the NBL. And, and you know, he, he, was, he was a better... He'll go down as a better player than, than DJ. Mm. But, you know, like what DJ's volume of work has been, you know, he, he, shoots, a, he shoots a ball and 
if he misses, you're surprised. You know, it's yep. just uh, <laughs> yeah. just astonishing. I think kick it, you know, kick it might even percentage wise have better numbers. I don't think kick it um, the the open shots and he took the yep. right shots and close enough to 50, 40, and 90 for a long time, which is, and I'm not diminishing his body of work no, either, sure. but uh, you know, DJ, if, if he's not, he's very, very close to it. Yep, absolutely. All right, Scott, let's take a little bit of a different track. As I touched on at the start of the show, we've gone for an Ask the Host segment, thanks to Sportscard World. You weren't too comfortable with the Ask the Legend, so I made it a little bit more simple. So we've gone for Ask the Host this week. I put the, the feelers out for some questions, and, and somebody's going to win a, win a prize, thanks to our friends at Sportscard World. Before we get to the questions, I noticed on the back of your South Adelaide jerseys right now, the Sportscard World logo, they're the naming rights sponsors there at South Adelaide. This is a this is a great partnership that we've been able to develop develop with those guys, isn't it? They're incredible. Matt and Ben from the Sports Card World, you know, I can't talk them up enough. I mean they they are just incredible guys. They've had a business that's existed for you know, twenty seven, twenty eight years now, mm. I guess, and uh you know, proud South Australians who have a box at the 36ers game. They're, they're sponsors of the LA Crows. They've now come on board as, as naming rights sponsors of the South LA Panthers. And, uh, you know, just true, genuine guys. And, uh, yeah, I honestly can't talk them up enough. They're, uh, they're, they're the best of the best. And uh, uh, we've uh, I've bought my young girl, Chloe, a few Barbie cards. Uh, yes. Uh, which she's probably trodden on and, and ripped in half <laughs> and uh, probably not the same value than when they were in the packet. But uh, no, I would, I'd, I'd encourage anyone to go and see those guys. Um, they're, um, they're, they're the best of the best. They're, uh, they're incredible. Okay, let's get to the questions, Scott. We've got some good ones from our loyal listeners here. Thanks to, thanks to Sportscard World. We'll have, a, have another prize winner as well out of this bunch. But let's start with... Ashley Burrell, and he wants some advice from you, Scott. He wants some advice for his eight-year-old son. So he's asked, my eight-year-old son loves the game. It doesn't really follow any of my advice. So do you have any advice on how to help guide kids either by your own experience with kids or from when you were a kid yourself and your dad was trying to help you? How can he get through to his son? He can't, mate. He's eight. I've got a, I've got a <laughs> seven-year-old that doesn't listen to me at all. Um, look, I, I think that yeah, when you get to that age, and, and we put our our young fella into Aussie Hoop a year or so ago, and he wasn't interested. He he was well, sorry, that's not true. He he enjoyed the game, but um, yeah, yeah, at that stage, I, I guess you just got to make sure they're doing it and they they're loving it. If they love it, and they enjoy it. They'll go out and do it. But um, at, the, at that age, it, it is difficult to get through to them. They're probably going to listen to anyone else apart from their mum and dad. <laughs> um, yes. So, yeah, I look, Ashley, I wouldn't get too worried about that. You know, just let him enjoy the game for what it is. And, uh, you, you know, if, he's, if he does enjoy it, just let him, you know, forge his own path and you'll be fine. Yep, no, good advice and... If he's still not listening by the time he's 14 or 15, maybe get concerned. But 
I think for for now, for, for now, just just be happy that he's out there and and enjoying it. And if he loses his focus, then I think that's pretty pretty natural at that age. Um, another one, another one who's a regular um, question asker, Jack Sports Cards. He's asked, "Hello, Scott. Everyone talks about your coaching or playing for the for the Sixers, but what are the most memorable things from your time at the Southeast Melbourne Magic?" Oh, that that is. The easiest question of the night. Uh, winning a championship in 1992 mm-hmm. uh, against the Melbourne Tigers in a three-game series. We lost the first game by 26 points, and Leonard Copeland was averaging 35 points in the final series. Um, we got our ass kicked. Uh, our starting point guard, Darren Perry, snapped his Achilles in that game. Brian Gorgian called me in the next day and said, uh, right, you're now the starting point guard and you're guard Leonard Copeland. So, you know, like there's, so, uh, yeah, we, we won game two and three. Um, I chased Copeland around all over the floor, played a position that was not my natural position. And we that was the first year at um, a tennis centre, Rod Laver Arena. Yep. And all three of those games broke the record uh, for at that point in time, for attendance of basketball game in Australia, so fifteen. Well, I think it was almost fifty thousand people for all three games. Wasn't yeah, it? it was almost. close to it. Yeah, it was like fifteen yeah. two, fifteen four, and fifteen six over those three games. I mean, the most special thing for me uh, was my dad was was working for Mitsubishi at the time, and and had flown into Japan, uh, was able to get a flight back and see us. Win that game three against the Melbourne Tigers, you know, Gaze Copeland, you know, Giddy Simmons, and so on and so on. It was just, it was just outstanding. And to have those sort of numbers in that sort of stadium where it was mm. half and half, you know, like it wasn't just that lopsided. Uh, yeah. uh, it, it was the most special of memories. It was just uh, outstanding. Um, you know, nothing but the best of memories of my time with the Magic. No, fantastic. And I've got a follow-up question from you bringing up your dad as well. So Cooper Darms has asked, Hi, Scott. What did your father, Bruce, teach you when growing up, which you still remember? Oh, wow. He, I mean, he taught me everything. I mean, he, he taught mm. me to – he kept me grounded. I mean, he never – he let me play because I loved to play. You know, like I was – as my mum told me today when we went and visited her, that I was a bit of a pain in the ass as, as a kid. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't remember that myself, but um, but yeah, every time I got too big for my boots, he he reeled me in, and he was he was my first coach at Clovelly Park Church of Christ, and you know we used to train on the cement outside on a on a ring, you know, and backboard that he put up himself. So, but there was never ever any favoritism, or it was probably the opposite actually. So. Yeah, you know, I, I was fortunate enough to have someone who just, uh, you, know, you know, just kept me in check, I suppose. So, um, look, it's, it's I, you know, even to this day, you know, Dad passed away eight, eight and a bit years ago, and it's still, I still find it difficult to, to sort of process that. But um, as a basketball dad who played in some incredible teams uh, in the early 60s, you know, with, South Adelaide that I'm now coaching myself. Mm. Um, yeah, he, he just kept me grounded. Like he just, 
He just let me develop into the player that I that I turned into without, you know, you know, letting me get too big in my boots. And uh, yeah, that's uh, I guess that's that's the best thing I can say about him. Fantastic, and thanks for that question, Cooper. Um, bit of a lighter note: the team manager extraordinaire Jazzy has oh, here, in touch with you. Here Scott. we go. Here we go. Okay. <laughs> Two part question too. So I'll give you the first part. How did you get the nickname Choo Choo? <laughs> I should have vetted these questions first, shouldn't I? <laughs> now, that is Rupert Sapwell's fault. So, Brian Gorgian uh, nicknamed me Nin Train, N I N, like first mm. part of my yep, surname yep. and the train, because once upon the time I was fast, which uh, anyone <laughs> can see me now would, would think that's a bit hard to believe. <laughs> you know, coming back to back into the fold of Adelaide when Rupert Sapple was here. He used to write like a bit of a fun article for the local newspaper messenger. <laughs> so, and every it was like a little snippet about every player, and he always used to take the piss out of me, which uh, uh, my grandparents, when they were alive, used to used to drive them crazy. But anyway, there was something about I can't even remember what it was, but it was his his throwaway line at the end of way at the end of it was. Long live the 15-foot finger roll in train because I tried to pat my game after yes. doc, Dr. J, which I which was silly, but you know, like, so I, lo- <laughs> I love the finger roll. So long yep. live the 15-foot finger roll in train, choo-choo. That's mm. what he wrote the, at the end of it. And somehow, choo-choo was just stuck. And you know, mm. anyone that's been around any sort of you know, mates that take the piss out of you and they, you know, if someone goes choo-choo or, or some sort of stupid nickname, the worst thing you can do is react to that. So yep. I reacted to it and like, what are you talking about? And choo-choo is stuck for the rest of my life. Mm. So you know, the, the Mars and the Catalinis and the Sapwells and a bunch of other people. And probably, Jazzy, obviously. And Jazzy probably wouldn't even remember that Scott is my actual name. I'm now choo-choo. <laughs> so when people that don't, outside of basketball hear someone go, Choo-choo, because it gets exaggerated <laughs> as well. Um, I've got to try and explain that. It makes no sense. So that's a long-winded answer. Uh, all right. The second part of Jazzy's question. With all your years of experience, what's the best red that you've ever had? Oh, how would Jazzy know? He doesn't drink. <laughs> what a st- Oh, come on, mate. Um, that's the impossible question. Uh, that's impossible. Um, look, I, th- that is actually impossible to answer. Um, What's the best recent one you've had then? Look, I, I have some favourites, um, and I'm not uh, too proud to answer that. I, I love the small family-owned wineries, and uh, you know, in the Barossa, it's Cirillo Estate, Gumpara Wines, Ballycroft Wines. In McLaren Vale, it's Selix Hill Wines, Danchy Rise, Zarella Wines. In the Adelaide Hills, it's uh, Romney Park and. Uh, Madrill wines and summer lead, and I'm I'm talking about wines now that mostly people have never heard about, and because they're tiny, small operators. And uh, look, mate, I guess you've got to come on a premium wine tour to find them. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And you know, you know where to find him. So get in touch and book in a tour because back in business now, and he's getting his match fitness back too. So go and book a tour. Um, <laughs> last one, Nick McEwer. This is about your coaching at South Adelaide, Scott, so bear with me. Nick was obviously watching your game very closely last week, so he's asked, after dusting off the playbook and getting back into the coaching world with your first game in a millennium, 
bit bit harsh. How do you feel you? <laughs> how do you feel you went? And what was the biggest mistake or learning opportunity that you made? It looked to me like there was a great deal of player engagement in the win. How much of an influence do you have on that, and how? Oh wow! Um, <laughs> look, I, I was um, there was twenty five lead changes in that game, and uh, I only played seven players, which. Uh, was not my intention. I, I nearly killed a couple of the blokes while playing them, <laughs> and that will change. We'll, we'll have our import and our captain back for, for the next games, hopefully. Um, the thing that was most pleasing for me was how hard they played, and if you can get a team that plays hard for you, that's that's half of the battle. For me, it's still, you know, I'll get better with every game I coach as well. Yeah, look, look, it was yeah. It's a learning curve. I mean, you never, you can never rest on your laurels, no matter how long you've been involved with the game and and how how many games you've coached or, or played. I mean, I was nervous as hell going into that game on the mm. satellite. I made the mistake of just sitting at home all day and sitting mm. down and drawing up plays and uh, you know spending too much time thinking about things, but. Um, yeah, look, you know, how much influence can I have? Well, well hopefully a lot as far as developing, a, you know, a, everyone talks about culture and it's one of those wanky words I, I understand. But, um, you know, but it is, is, it is a thing. You know, you get the right sort of people, you know, make sure that everyone's on the same page and that, that all takes time. I'm not going to be able to do that in one season. Um, like, I'm here for the long run. Like, I'm back, back with a club that I play you know it was half my life so um i'm not sure i've even answered the question have i but uh yeah look it's it's uh it's it's exciting to be back uh, i hope i can influence uh not only the current crop of players that we have but you know the young kids that are coming through the club and uh yeah if i can if i can help out in any way that then that's been successful anyway i think you answered it well and I think Nick's one of our biggest supporters. So if you if you catch him at one of your South Adelaide games, make sure you get a photo with him and his kids because he's one of our great supporters. And that was good fun. Thank you for everybody who sent in a question. Thank you to Sports Card World for making it making it happen once again, Scott. That was that was good to get some insight on some different different things. Let's keep moving. Let's wrap up the show. I want to get your thoughts very quickly. You touched on it there, so we don't need to touch on it too much more, but I want to get your thoughts on that game, that your first game back coaching South Adelaide. It went to overtime, and it ended up being decided on an offensive rebound and then that three-pointer from, from Todd Davies. Um, what sort of an emotional experience was that like to win a game like that in your first game you know, as a head coach again for you know, more than a decade? Uh, yeah, look, I mean, I try not to... You know, as a coach, you try not to ride the emotions too much mm. because if you do, you end up making emotional decisions, I guess. Mm. And uh, look, I mean, I was when, when Todd hit that three, you know, like the, the players went crazy and they ran on the court, and I basically, of course, I was happy, but just sort of, you know, wanted to walk down and, and shake the opposition coach's hand, and uh, you know, felt that. Uh, yeah, you know, that was a game that anyone could have won. Yeah, you know, if we went to a second overtime, 
I'm not sure that if we had another overtime in us, yeah. but I'm not sure they had one in them either. It was mm-hmm. funny, there was a minute 40 to go in overtime and there was a foul call right in front of our bench. We had the ball and Alex Starling, who had 34 points and 21 rebounds mm. and and was coming, you know, just had the game of his life. He's got his hands on his legs and looked up to me and said, do you have a timeout? And I did. And I was saving it in case we needed it for a last play or whatever. And I said, do you need me to use it? And he goes, yes. <laughs> and I was thinking, no, I, I can't use that now. Well, I've got to save that for when I need it. So mm-hmm. I started walking away from him and he basically you know, shrugged his shoulders and started walking back. And then I'm like, <laughs> time out. I figured I need I needed Alex Starling more than I needed that last time out. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it was um, from an emotional point of view. Yeah, of course I was when we got in the change room. You, you know, I, I was excited, and uh, you know, it was a game that I felt was going to be very difficult for us to win. To get that win, you know, it gets confidence, but it's only one win. So yeah, like mm-hmm. I've. I've I've seen the highs and lows of it. I know we have a lot of work to do, but um, yeah, we, we, we've had these guys out at uh, 6.30 in the morning on Saturday mornings for a long time doing fitness work in the dark and oval. We're doing it again tomorrow morning. Oh, wow. You know, and, and because we don't have a game this season, and that was driven by Alex Starling, who's who's come off that sort of game. So, mm. oh, look. We're heading in the right direction. You've got to enjoy the wins. I mean, you just have to. I'm emotional. Like I, I, you know, I wear my heart in my sleeve when, as a player and as a coach, I was just really happy for the boys. And but it's one game. You know, we we have a, we have a lot more to go, and and we we get Forest or Eagles coming into our home next week, who are always the pace setters, and uh, you know. Yeah, it's going to be very difficult to to win that game, but uh, enjoy the moment, enjoy the wins, but keep a level head about it. We'll keep an eye on how you go, Scott. But before we wrap up this week, coming off the high of the win in Perth, the biggest job in basketball right now is going to Sydney to play the Sydney Kings, who are on a 13-game winning streak. They've locked away a playoff position, but that's the job ahead of the 36ers now on Sunday. Do you give them any chance? No chance at all. But what? What are the odds? <laughs> but what? But what are the odds? <laughs> oh look, they they go in, they go into that game with nothing to lose now. Look, and coming off beating Perth in Perth. Look, I I mean Sydney are rolling. You know, if you're Sydney's coach, part of you wants that sort of uh, maybe a loss just to bring you back to earth. Um, to you know, can you just keep rolling on and and go through undefeated for the rest of the year? I mean, history would show. Probably not, apart from the Melbourne no. Tigers in 1997. But so yeah, there's there's a, there's a there's a great chance we played well against them last game. Why not? Why not? Why not be? Well, it's not it's not being a spoiler if we beat Sydney. But you know, once again, you got guys who are putting their well, you hand could stop up. Them, could stop them getting home court advantage potentially. Wouldn't that be lovely? Mm. <laughs> but, but once again, you have got a Dusty Hannes and a Todd Withers who. You know, applying for their next contract wherever that is in the world. So, you know, you've got Duffelmeyer and Hiram Harris and a bunch of other guys who are trying to get re-signed. So, so why not? Yeah, yeah. Sydney is scarily good, as as we know, and a thirteen-game winning streak. But why not? 
Why not? What are the what are the odds, mate? What do what do you reckon we can get on? I've been trying to look it up while you were talking, but but, but, I, but, but I I can't. There's there's nothing been released yet, but but you, you you would have to think. I mean, looking at maybe it's, it's something similar. So the the Wildcats and the Taipans play tomorrow night. The Wildcats are a dollar thirteen. The Taipans are five dollars forty. Might be something similar to that. You might be able to you might be able to get five dollars for the thirty sixes on Sunday potentially. Well, it's it's funny you should say that because uh, now that uh, I am back involved, uh, we had to go through a integrity course mm. and you are not allowed to bet on any basketball anywhere including yep. the including the nba yeah which strikes me as a little bit strange i'm not sure that uh you know coaching an nba one central that's really <laughs> going to impact upon uh, what's happening in the nba but that's uh yeah that's they're the rules so uh no it's funny you say that because i get paid for my work for the nbl i'm not allowed to bet on the nbl either oh, no, i yeah. guess i guess that alleviates Anything though, doesn't it? So yep. there's no, there's it, it's not a grey area; it's black and white. So I, I don't mind that. I mean, I'm you know I, I love to go to occasionally, you know, once that once a year when we go to bet on the horses. I'm a terrible gambler. I, I, I like having a bet, <laughs> but I'm a terrible gambler, so I'm probably better off not betting on anything. So I don't mind that. <laughs> I don't know if Rebecca would let you anyway, would she? Mate, uh, she controls the finances, mate. I, that's what you know, I like I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm drip fed money, so uh, no, that's 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 hundred percent true. Like, I talk a good game, but you, you're right, you're hundred percent right. <laughs> oh, that's what I thought. Um, it's been a lot of fun catching up again, Scott. We've covered a lot of ground on this week's show. We had a great win to talk about, both for your Panthers and for the Thirty Sixers, and we look forward to your next game at South Adelaide. We look forward to the Thirty Sixers against the Kings on Sunday. I'll wrap things up and leave it there and and leave you with a chance to give us some words of wisdom, maybe in preparation of that Hall of Fame speech for this week, Scott. Oh, mate, no, no. I, I haven't even thought about that yet, mate. Like that's uh, like I said, it's it's, uh, it's the one thing that has got me a little bit tongue-tied. It's, it, it is humbling. It's uh, incredible. I mean, when you look at, you know, when you look at the names of the people that will get added to that Hall of Fame, you know, and you're talking about Peter Alley, Martin Catalini, Kevin Brooks, Daniel Mead, the, you know, Ray Wood, Mike McKay, and so on and so on. It's Daniel quite, Johnson one day? Yeah, Daniel Johnson. It's, it's quite phenomenal. So, uh, yeah, very proud to the, have the longevity I've had with this club and... Um, yeah, very exciting. So, yeah, mate, I, I can't tell you what I'm going to say that night. I'll, I'll probably be a blubbering mess. But uh, anyway, I'll get through it, I'm sure, as, as only I can do. But uh, no, it's, it's, it's pretty cool.